Today is May 20th, 2021. The New York Attorney General opens a criminal investigation into the Trump Organization. The Republicans pitch fiscal responsibility. And we may find out a little more information about UFOs. I'm your host, Austin Taylor, and this is Split the Difference Podcast. Here we take a look at both sides of the political aisle as we try to bridge the gap between today's biggest issues. Remember, times may be divisive, and we may not always agree. But together, we can stay level-headed, be reasonable, and always split the difference. Welcome back, Split the Difference friends and Split the Difference family. We have another fantastic, bombastic, fantabulous episode for you here today. Coming in hot to end up the week, bringing you all the best news and insights from both sides of the aisle like we normally do. And I can say with a fair degree of certainty that this episode is the best episode that we have done so far. We have been working tirelessly to look and see what's happening on the left, the good, the bad, and the ugly, to look and see what's happening on the right, the good, the bad, the ugly there, and split the difference and find that sweet, sweet truth that oftentimes lies right there in the middle. So without further ado, let's go ahead and hop on into our first story of the day. Story number one. So for our first story of the day, the Trump the Trump Organization uh, has an, a criminal investigation open on it uh, by the New York Attorney General's office. So on Tuesday, they said that they were pursuing a criminal investigation to the Trump Organization uh, in, in addition to an ongoing civil probe. So if you guys remember a while back, the Attorney General there in New York who has hated Trump pretty much since he decided that he was going to run for president on a Republican ticket, decided they were going to open up a civil probe into the Trump Organization. Uh, many people on the left and the right were, you know, had very, very strong opinions about all of it. And uh, this happened after Donald Trump got out of office. Uh, they decided they were going to go ahead and announce that they have a civil probe into the Trump organization's pretty much, I think, kind of like some of their tax uh, tactics, some of the stuff that they're doing with money, how they're moving it around. Um, there's a lot of there was a, a lot of hoopla around Trump and his taxes, as many of you remember. Throughout the entirety of his presidency, uh, many people were demanding that he release his tax returns. Donald Trump said that he was going to release his tax returns, but decided that he wasn't going to uh, because he was being audited, quote unquote, by the IRS and he couldn't release his tax returns. So a bunch of people were like, basically, Donald Trump has a ton of nefarious things going on in his tax life with his with his organization, and that's why he won't release any of his tax returns. Well, now, a lot of those Democrats are feeling very vindicated because there is a criminal investigation, which is very different from a civil investigation, right? We have to remember, those are two different levels. Criminal, you can go to jail for it, right? You can go to jail for a long time for criminal uh, tax fraud and different things like that. So depending on what it is, it could be a pretty big deal. So what is this all about? Okay, so all of this started. And they say that the criminal investigation was basically led into because of none other than Michael Cohen. All right. And if we remember, this was back about three or four years ago, Michael Cohen was one of Trump's lawyers, pretty much his lawyer, the number one dude. Right. And he was doing all the Trump's dirty work. If you remember, he was the guy that paid off Stormy Daniels, uh, basically got her to sign an NDA, non-disclosure agreement about a bunch of different stuff. Michael Cohen supposedly was like Trump's chief guy that he would go to that would kind of solve problems for Trump as they came up. So Michael Cohen, 
when he was, he now is currently in jail, in case you don't know that. So Michael Cohen, before he went to jail, started saying a whole bunch of stuff about Trump. Trump turned his back on him because he thought that Michael Cohen was going to go to jail and he didn't want to be involved in that. Smart. And Michael Cohen, who is an incredibly sleazy dude, like just known across the industry as just a sleazy lawyer, right? And of course he's working for Trump. Like, like that's just to be expected. But Michael Cohen ends up starting to go downhill, right? Very, very quickly. Trump turns his back on him, starts stabbing Michael Cohen in the back. Michael Cohen realizes, this is not good. I'm probably going to go to jail. So he starts releasing anything and everything that he can about Donald Trump, okay? And he starts telling them that there's a bunch of tax problems with Donald Trump's organization. And he starts telling New York investigators all this stuff. We obviously don't know everything that Michael Cohen said, but this was right before Michael Cohen went to jail. My guess, right, and this is purely speculation, is that Michael Cohen really, really didn't want to go to jail. And so he probably was trying to get some type of plea, some type of bargain with them saying, listen, if I can give you a bunch of information about Donald Trump, then you got to give me some immunity. I don't want to go to jail. Right. And they were like, no, we're not going to fall for it. We're not going to take the bait. Michael Cohen, you're just going to get locked up in the slammer. Right. So now they're going back They didn't actually open up that formal investigation at the time. Now they're going back and they're saying, well, Michael Cohen, Trump's lawyer at the time, gave us some some tips and some tricks, basically saying that he thinks the Trump organization needs to be investigated for a lot of different tax fraud, right? Apparently they were going through, Donald Trump has always been in real estate. They were, uh, they were undervaluing property values in order to skimp out on taxes. They were doing other things that would have been fraudulent. And they're saying, Michael Cohen told us, so we have to know that it's true, right? So the left side of the aisle is looking at this and they feel incredibly vindicated. They're like, finally, Donald Trump is going to get his what for, right? They have been screaming and yelling up and down for four or five years now. And Donald Trump is this terrible, nefarious businessman. He's been doing all these horrible things for years and years. He just hasn't gotten caught because he has a bunch of sleazy lawyers covering up for him. I mean, if we remember back, Michael Cohen was like the, I mean, the epitome of hatred from the left. Like right underneath Donald Trump was Michael Cohen, right? The left hated Michael Cohen. But now that Michael Cohen has come out and kind of thrown Donald Trump under the bus a little bit, they're like, we have to hear him out, right? I mean, come on, Michael Cohen, such a good, such a good guy, right? Great lawyer. He's in the slammo right now, but that's okay, we're just, we need to listen to what he has to say if it means that we're going to be able to get Donald Trump on something criminal. So the left, of course, is jubilant about all of this because they think that this could be one step closer to getting, to getting Donald Trump, right? To being able to get his, all of his tax returns out, to being able to get, just prove that Donald Trump is a fraud, right? And he's a liar and he also is a criminal. That's the biggest thing. They weren't able to get him in either of the impeachment proceedings, right? They weren't able to get him after he left office so far. They haven't been able to get him. So they're like, man, if we can get this criminal investigation up and running and we can get Donald Trump on a, on a series of different charges, we can throw him in jail and the whole country will be vindicated. All of the left will be vindicated. The right side of the aisle believe it or not, feels the exact opposite. They're like, this is just another step in this litany of things that they have thrown out against Donald Trump. They have hated him since day one. 
every single move that he makes, every single word that he says, they put under a microscope and they try to attack him with every single, every single thing that they can. They point to things like the Mueller investigation and the probe into Russian interference. They talk about uh, like the impeachment proceedings. Uh, most Republicans would probably, the vast majority of Republicans would say the first impeachment proceedings were absolute, you know, baloney. And then the second impeachment proceedings, they would say, oh, you know, it may be somewhat justified, like Donald Trump did something wrong, but he definitely shouldn't have been impeached for it, right? So the Republicans are looking at this and they're like, this is just, this is an, another step in the witch hunt, right? They're always coming after Donald Trump because they hate him. They don't want for him to be successful. They want to try and throw him in jail because he stands for every single thing that the left doesn't stand for, and we they hate him for it, but we're going to back him regardless, okay? And the Republican has the Republican Party as a whole has said over and over again, they're pretty much sold out for Donald Trump. Like, Donald Trump is their guy, okay? So, how is this going to play out? We don't know exactly. We have very, very little information outside of the fact that there is a probe from the New York Attorney General and the New York DA is also saying that he's coming out and, and investigating and trying to get some dirt on Donald Trump. Uh, they haven't let us know what the exact charges are. They haven't known exactly what it is that they're looking into, who they're talking to. We don't know. All we know is that one of Trump's lawyers and Michael Cohen, uh, who is probably one of the sleazier lawyers uh, in all of the country, uh, said that Donald Trump did something wrong. And then we know that a couple weeks ago, maybe about a month or so ago, Rudy Giuliani had his house raided by the FBI, right? So it's pretty clear the feds are coming after Donald Trump they're going to try and get him on something. It is also incredibly clear that the attorney general absolutely hates Donald Trump, right? She is a card-carrying Democrat. She has hated Donald Trump for a long time, and she wants to be able to go after him. What will come of this? If I had to guess, probably absolutely zilch, like nothing, nada. I would be blown away if this criminal investigation actually turns into anything and Donald Trump gets into any type of serious trouble, okay? Whether you like Trump or not, whether you agree with this statement or not, Donald Trump is a businessman that has been doing business, right, for a long time, okay? If Donald Trump had been fraudulently putting forth tax records and fraudulently undervaluing real estate for years and years and years, I would be blown away if he was able to get away with it for all of this time. Donald Trump is in his mid-70s. He has been a real estate mogul in New York for like four or five decades. He's been there for a long time. You can only have fraudulent activity for so long and skimp off the IRS, but for so long before someone blows the whistle, before somebody comes after you. You can be incredibly rich. You can have great lawyers. You can do everything that you want to do. The likelihood of you not getting in trouble for doing something incredibly fraudulent, especially if it's the IRS, and especially if you actually owe millions and millions and millions of dollars, Uncle Sam's going to come after you for their taxes. They just are. Doesn't matter how rich you are. And I would be blown away if Donald Trump actually gets in trouble for anything. Now, that's not to say that Donald Trump likely has never done anything wrong. Come on, I'm not naive enough, nobody's naive enough to think that he hasn't done a couple of things that were pretty shady in his business dealings. That's the New York real estate market. All those guys are shady. I trust none of them, right? But uh, Donald Trump, I think at this point in time, has probably cleared everything up as much as he can. He is hiring and has probably some of the best lawyers in the country ready and willing to fight for him. I'd be blown away if he gets actually put under wraps for anything around this. 
Nevertheless, that's not going to stop the media from blowing this story up, even though it really is kind of a non-story at this point in time. Uh, it's not going to stop the entirety of the left from renewing their attacks on Donald Trump and wanting him to be thrown in jail. Uh, it's also not going to stop the right from just going to his defense over and over and over again. And if Donald Trump actually does get thrown in jail, I'm willing to bet the vast majority of the Republican Party will all say it's a hoax. I'm, I'm just going to throw that out there. You heard that here first. <laughs> so with all of that, and as the end of our first story of the day, let's go ahead and hop on into our second story, story number two. So for our second story of the day, the Republicans pitch to Biden fiscal responsibility. So Joe Biden has come out and he's really hammered home the fact that he wants to be a big spender. He wants to be a big spending president. And we've seen this with the coronavirus stimulus package that has come out. We've seen this with, uh, with, the, with the infrastructure plan that he's put forth. We're now seeing this with the budget that he wants to put forth, the congressional budget uh, that Congress obviously has a vote on and actually pass in order for it to go into law. And it's very clear that the Joe Biden wants to be known as kind of like an FDR type president. He wants to be the guy that comes in and spins big. He takes care of the American people, quote unquote, right? In whatever way that he possibly can. And so the Republicans are trying to figure out a way to counter that uh, with some sort of legitimacy, okay? So there was a summary proposal put together by the Republican Study Committee that was first obtained by Fox News uh, that would slash a, a large, a, a very wide variety of different discretionary programs, okay? So the Republicans are basically saying, Joe Biden, if you want to come in and you want to spend a ton of money okay, on a, on a wide gamut of different things, then that means that you've got to cut back, okay? We just don't have the money in the budget. We can't just keep spending and spending and spending. We have to be able to cut things back. So they're saying things like we need to cut discretionary spending. So I also want to reform some different federal programs like Medicaid, uh, the Children's Health Insurance Program, CHIP, uh, and to basically block grants uh, and then institute a zero baseline budgeting, which was not totally defined. So um, their idea is basically we're going to come in and, and we're going to cut discretionary spending. We're going to reduce regulations. We're going to increase the retirement age for Social Security and eligibility for Medicare, Medicaid and other things like that. And that would basically bring the United States in to a balanced budget within five years. So say the Republicans. Okay. So um, Jim Banks, he's a Republican out of Indiana, said this, quote, the Democrats are introducing socialism and radically expanding the role of government. And in just a short amount of time, we're already seeing the negative effects of their agenda on our economy. We're seeing a spike in the cost of living and slower than expected job growth. And this is just the beginning. So. He then added, quote, it's time Republicans reclaim the mantle of fiscal responsibility and show voters an alternative vision for conservative governance. I think Representative Kevin Hearn and the rest of the RC RSC budget and spending task force for leading this effort. So uh, there's a bunch of different Republicans that are on this that are basically saying, uh, you know, we need to come in and we need to start cutting spending dramatically if we're thinking that we're going to be able to actually keep the United States government afloat, okay? And they have a decent argument for this, right? Joe Biden has come out and, and, and openly said that he wants to spend as much money as he possibly can. The United States over this past year has spent an unbelievable amount of money. And not just Joe Biden, right? Donald Trump was incredibly fiscally irresponsible as was Barack Obama before him. And what we're seeing is that over and over and over again, presidents are coming in and they're saying, 
I want to spend money because I know that if I spend money, it looks really good to the voting base. If all of my constituents are receiving a check from me or are receiving things from the federal government that are beneficial to them in some sort of monetary value, then I know that they're going to vote for me next time that I'm up for election, right? Just common sense. However, as I have said many, many times before, the buck eventually has to stop. You eventually run out of money. Okay. The United States government is not just some gigantic endless piggy bank. Okay. You have to, at some point, cut back on spending in some place or another if you're planning on spending money in other places. Okay. Every bit of it is just, it's, it's like a, basically it's a level, it's a balance. Okay. If you're spending a ton of money over here on corona, coronavirus stimulus, then you have to cut back money somewhere else in order to kind of bring things back into, bring things back into balance. Okay. You got you to gotta make sure that things are kind of uh, coming in. Uh, the money that's coming in is kind of the same as the money that's going out. That has not been the mantra of Congress or presidents for the past 20 years. It has been let's spend as much money as we possibly can because we think that it's going to end up helping us out. So uh, the budget includes a significant number of pro-life provisions and a notable line on the criminal justice front as well. Um, it, it goes through and you know, kind of, it throws in a whole bunch of different Republican priorities that uh, very likely um, are not going to not going to actually pass. So, uh, which we'll talk about in a sec. But uh, it includes provisions that don't affect the budget at all, right? So, among them are opposition to the Supreme Court packing. One thing that Joe Biden and a bunch of different different Democrats have proposed as a way to solve quote unquote, the conservative majority on the Supreme Court is to pack the Supreme Court. In other words, basically have a vote or have something that goes in uh, that allows for them pass through Congress to increase the number of Supreme Court uh, jurors on the Supreme Court, which would then allow Joe Biden to go in and pick uh, however many it is that they bump it up to. They've currently tossed around the number of 13. Hmm, I wonder why they would want 13. Well, if Joe Biden immediately gets four picks, then that means that they're going to have, you know, our, our, we're going to have eight, right? They're going to have eight. Or no, no, I'm sorry, they're going to have seven. And then uh, they have seven Democrats on the court. They have six Republicans on the court, conservatives and liberals. Then that means at the end of the day, they can pass whatever they want. And they don't have to worry about the Supreme Court shooting it down, right? The difficulty in that is next time you get a Republican president in, they're just going to start to blow the court up even more, right? It just goes back and forth. It's this Supreme Court volleyball. It's absolutely awful. I think it's terrible. Anyways, they're also proposing to split the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals and the two separate circuit courts, um, support for COVID liability protections for businesses. This is something that the Republicans have pushed hard on in every single one of the coronavirus stimulus packages. They've wanted to include more liability protections for businesses. So say a business uh, uh, decides to open back up for COVID and one of their waitresses or one of their waiters uh, catches coronavirus. And that person then turns around and sues the business because they're like, you made me come back to work. Uh, when I didn't have to come back to work and now I've got COVID, right? So they basically want to increase liability protection for businesses uh, around coronavirus. Um, and then they also have a, a lot of provision in this bill around opposition to overly burdensome occupational, occupational licensing. So um, a great example of this would basically be like having a license to cut hair, right? Like why do you need a license to cut hair? That seems a little bit outrageous, but it's money that you, the government gets, right? And it's regulations that would stand in the way of someone being able to go out and just decide that they want to start opening up a hair salon or anything like that, right? 
So uh, on the spending front, the RCS proposal would also notably require a supermajority vote for continuing resolutions, which is basically the way the government has often been funded in recent years in lieu of a traditional budget. So the idea behind it is uh, the, Rep the Republicans want to be able to be in the driver's seat, even though they're the minority, right? You have to have a supermajority, likely 60 votes, in order to be able to pass uh, any, any sort of continuing resolution in the case that, uh, which a continuing resolution that currently requires, I believe, only a majority in the Senate in order to pass a majority in the House. Um, and would, in order to be able to kind of blackball or keep the Democrats from passing something that they would want to pass. So... Um, it's pretty, it's pretty, uh, interesting. I, there's absolutely zero chance one that this even gets to voted on, right? Like there's no way that, that Chuck Schumer even brings it to the floor to vote. Nancy Pelosi brings it to the floor to vote. No chance, right? Democrats see that this is kind of a last ditch effort for the Republicans to be like, listen, we're trying our best. We want to be the fiscally responsible ones. And you guys are just refusing to do it. You guys just want to blow the budget out every single year. Right. Uh, and to a degree, the Republicans, I think, that, that drew this up realize that as well. They're trying to politic a little bit. Um, well, I think what they're hoping is that they can send something forward, Democrats will send something forward, and that they eventually can have some sort of middle ground Although that's almost doubtful that that will even happen right now, I would not be surprised at all if the Republicans and Democrats are not able to agree on any sort of, any sort of spending budget and that we end up going into a sequester at the end of the year. Just... Just gonna throw that out there. Would be very surprised if that didn't if that didn't happen. So um, there's some a, a lot of Republicans I think um, have for the most part uh, really kind of wanted to bring back this era of fiscal responsibility because many Republicans have lost their credibility around the issue of government spending because Donald Trump blew the budget out. And they supported absolutely everything that they did. Uh, every single thing that Donald Trump wanted to do, Republicans were like, all right, let's do it. Let's get behind it. And a lot of that was spending a lot of money. Uh, the federal deficit, I mean, exploded over Donald Trump more than any other president in history. And it was because he cut taxes, but he didn't cut spending. He cut a ton of taxes for a lot of different businesses. He gave tax breaks to a lot of people in middle income and especially high income earners in the United States. But spending continued to stay the same and went up. So the budget is even more lopsided than it's ever been. And now Republicans are like, well, we've got to have something you know, to differentiate ourselves right now from the Democrats. We've got to have something that convince people to go to the polls. We're going to do it with money. We're going to say we're trying to save the American economy because Joe Biden's trying to ruin it. Will it work? Probably not, if I have to be honest. Don't think that this is going to pass. Don't think that they really have a leg to stand on right now. They have not been fiscally responsible for the past four or five years. Don't see them starting now. I'd be very, very surprised, especially not with Donald Trump still at the reins. So, We'll have to see how all of this ends up working out. Uh, I do think that the Democrats will probably get in and uh, want to pass something here soon, uh, especially get to, you know, at the very least, some heavy negotiations around all of it as well um, that would, you know, end up shaking out with the Republicans looking not very good for putting this proposal out. So uh, with all of that, that is the end of our second story of the day. Let's go ahead and hop on into our third story and last story, story number three. So for our third story of the day, and we'll cover this one uh, relatively quickly uh, because it's it's interesting, right? Uh, but I guess it's not, I guess, politically divisive in any way. I think it's interesting, but <laughs> there's not anything that's like uh, mind-blowing about this uh, from a political standpoint. 
So uh, there's a report that is yet to be released from the Defense Department's Advocate Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program and its investigations into, quote, unidentified aerial phenomenon, okay? Apparently, it is expected to be, quote, difficult to explain. And that's coming from officials close to the matter. And it's supposed to contain a lot of information about UFO sightings all over the world and not just UFO sightings or unexplained or unidentified aerial phenomenon, as they now are called, uh, reported by the American military. So the, the report is expected to be rolled out here very, very soon because many of you may not know this, but uh, the coronavirus uh, package that was signed into law uh, during Donald Trump's presidency in late December uh, was a $2.3 trillion coronavirus relief bill. Uh, it is uh, in that relief bill, there were a lot of different things. One of them was an, a 180 day countdown. Okay. That basically forced the director of the National Intelligence and Secretary of Defense to produce information about the threat identification program, right? That I just talked about. It was kind of like tucked into a committee comment section of the Intelligence Authorization Act for the year of 2021 that was contained in this massive spending bill. And basically, what it says is we want the national intelligence agencies. We want all of these people that are in all of these high, high levels of our defense, of all of our different defense, you know, organizations throughout the United States to come out and to tell us what they know about UFOs. Kind of weird. Okay. Uh, so uh, the Pentagon says that it will likely be released around June 1st. Um, and it is pretty interesting. Uh, so the former director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe told CBS on 60 minutes over the past, uh, over, I believe it was about a week or so ago that there are quote, uh, there are a lot more sightings that have been made public. Okay. Uh, so in other words, there's a whole bunch of these unexplained or unidentified aerial phenomena that are happening that are being seen by our military all over the world. Right. And not just our military, but a bunch of other military agencies across the world as well that haven't been reported on very well. It's kind of like they see something crazy and they bring it in and they're like, yeah, you can't talk about it. Don't tell anybody about it. We're going to take this thing. We're going to put it under wraps. And it's needless to say, UFO advocates are super pumped about this. There is a huge community of people and a huge, a growing amount of interest in UFO sightings, not only in the United States, but around the world as well, around kind of what they are, what the military has seen. The military is flying all over the world. They have cameras on almost every single thing that they have. And there have been plenty of videos that have been released over the past couple years of some crazy things that have been caught on camera. I mean, wild. And if you haven't gone down the rabbit hole on YouTube, then you totally should do it because it is extremely interesting and not a lot of the stuff can be explained well, right? I mean, videos of a tic-tac-shaped object going from like 80,000 feet to one foot above sea level in a split second. That kind of crazy stuff. And it is caught on the camera and by radar and by sonar of United States fighter jets. Like they can't catch it. They can't keep up to it. He can't keep up with it. It is pretty wild stuff. So I don't know what is going to be in this report. However, I will say I'm pretty excited about it. Obviously, I can, you can probably tell listening to this right now, but I am really, really pumped about it because I think there's going to be some interesting stuff that comes out about it. So Ratcliffe also said this, quote, 
And there have been sightings all over the world. And when we talk about sightings, the other thing I will tell you, it's not just a pilot or just a satellite or some intelligence collection. Usually we have multiple sensors that are picking up these things. He also said that some of the information contained in the forthcoming report will be, quote, difficult to explain. So uh, he said there are instances where we don't have good explanations for some of the things that we've seen. And when that information becomes declassified, I'll be able to talk a little bit more about that. So really, really interesting. I am extremely excited to see what all comes out. Uh, I'm not going to come out and be like, oh, I believe the aliens are visiting the planet all the time and they're walking among us, right? I'm probably not going to say that, but I would not be surprised if there's some pretty weird stuff that's going on that our military has picked up that they just haven't talked about because they're either scared of the public perception or, you know, they're worried about, uh, you know, some them, you know, something coming out and everybody being like, wait, how, this has been going on for how long? And you haven't told anybody? This is ridiculous. So uh, very interesting that they snuck that into a coronavirus relief package. Um, but it just goes to show that the vast majority of the spending packages have so much stuff in them that you literally will never know the endless amount of things that end up going in them. So uh, definitely be looking out for that here over the next couple weeks. Hopefully in the next two weeks or so, it'll be released and we'll have a lot of really cool, new, juicy information around UFOs around the entire world. Felt like I had to talk about that because pretty cool. So with all of that, that is the end of our third story and our last story of the day. Let's go ahead and hop on into our last segment, something that made me smile. So something that made me smile this week, I have to be honest with you, is the weather. It feels amazing outside. It's getting hot. It's finally warming back up and I can just envision all the fun beach days and all the fun days at the pool. I have been outside a lot over this past week and it has been a great time finally getting in a place where it's like we're in this great place where it's not like ridiculously hot. It's also not cold. The pollen is finally gone. That like thick coating of pollen on absolutely everything is not there anymore and you can go outside and breathe you know, relatively well. Uh, and it feels great. So I'm really looking forward to this weekend, being able to get out, hang out a little bit with some friends, have a beer or two and enjoy this warm and great weather. Hope that y'all also get to go out and do the same thing. So with all that, that is the end of our show today. Thank you so much for stopping by, for listening in and for checking us out. As always, y'all, we're going to do our best to stay level headed. We're always going to be reasonable. And of course, we're going to split the difference. This is Austin Taylor. Thank you for listening to Split the Difference Podcast, written, recorded, and hosted by Austin Taylor. If you're interested in getting in touch with me on Instagram, you can find me at Split the Difference Podcast. I'm on Facebook and YouTube at Split the Difference and on my website at splitthedifference.com. Production for the intro and outro music done by Rosewood Records Recording Studio. If you're interested in booking or learning more about them, you can reach them on Facebook or Instagram at Rosewood Records SC or on their website, www.rosewoodrecordssc.com.